Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Lauren Glessing. Lauren is a former school SLP turned private practitioner. She started her private practice on the side of her school job, and she actually did that for a couple of years before deciding that she was ready to transition to full-time. And Lauren also is one of the mentors for my next level program, which is called Six Figure Private Practice. You can learn more about that by heading to sixfigureprivatepractice.com. But that is for established private practitioners who are ready to head to six figures. Lauren is one of the coaches in that program. And so here's your opportunity to get to know Lauren, hear her story of how she transitioned from school SLP to full-time private practitioner. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, my name is Lauren Blessing. I just got married, so I changed it. Lauren Blessing. I serve the Rochester, Minnesota area, and my private practice name is called Owl Therapy Services, like the animal owl. I love it. And Lauren and I have become friends over the years. We have not met each other in real life yet, but we will. Mm-hmm one of these days. But the, the cool thing is that although Lauren and I have known each other since your, your private practice has started to grow, I actually don't know a ton about the beginning and how you, you got started. I know a little bit, but I think that our listeners would like to hear the whole story. So take us back to like maybe your early career as a speech pathologist. And at what point did you start thinking about private practice? Well, I, Finished grad school and got my first job in South Dakota. I wanted to come back somewhat near home, but a little farther away. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm very type A and very get my own ideas, stubborn, maybe some people would say, but I always felt this pull, like there was something else. You know, I always had dreams. I always have these notebooks and I'm always writing down things. And 
but you know, you just think you graduate from grad school and you get a job. Like everyone else has a job and you just go to your job. And I really didn't like it. So I actually moved. I thought, well, maybe the location, maybe that's what's, what's wrong. You know? So I, I moved to Rochester from South Dakota and I started working in the school district and you kind of had that honeymoon period where, oh, this must've been it. You know, I like these people. I like the classroom. I like this because in South Dakota, that wasn't the setting I was in. I was in actually like an inpatient pediatric rehab type of facility. So Anyway, right when I got here, you know, the honeymoon period kind of wore off and I kept having this pull again. Like, what is go- what is wrong? Why am I never satisfied with what I'm doing? And so my friend and I went to ASHA. I don't remember which one it was, but it was in 2011. And I'm sure you know, Jenna, like, do you ever get that ASHA high? Like, you're like, after ASHA, you're just like, I'm going to conquer this world. And it's happening. Yeah. And we're literally, my friend Jess and I are sitting at one of those macaroni grills in the airport, writing down like what we're going to do. We both started private practices that day, basically. Named it right there in the airport. That was the name. It's still the name. To be honest, just because I really want to share this with the listeners, from 2011 to 2018, I had like one to three clients. That's it. So for the longest time, I still worked at the schools. And I just saw a couple of kids after school. And in 2018, I went full-time. I love it. And so what... What made you decide to go full time? Like, what were you know? Because a lot of people will still have that like on the side private practice for years, just just you know, just for you know, some extra income and some extra ideal clients or whatever. But what was like your your decision where you're like, okay, I'm done with this on the side, or I'm done with the school, I guess. And how did you decide to shift to full time private practice? I think I just became increasingly unhappy, and it just never went away, and it grew and grew and grew. And I think a lot of people that might work in the schools and share these frustrations, it was the caseloads are getting bigger, the groups are getting bigger, my office is getting smaller, the paperwork piles are getting bigger, and I just felt like no one seems to care. I felt like I was a deadline manager and not a therapy provider. And I literally, I mean, it got to the point where I was just getting almost physically ill to go to work. I was just like, this is, oh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was dating my now husband at the time, but I I was the type that was like, I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'm just quitting. It's happening. And he is definitely the person to help me go, how are we going to pay some bills? <laughs> so it took a couple of years for me to kind of safely take that leap. But gosh, I remember the last day there. I just, I don't know. I was so happy. Like I I was like, this is how I should feel going to work. And I'm feeling this way leaving work. (laughs) And I've never looked back. I I, I think I've told you and other people, my worst day in private practice is still better than the best day I had at the schools. Well, and I think that a lot of listeners probably will be like, oh my gosh, that's what the, that's me. Right. I know that there's people because I've, I've talked to people in my programs or people in the Facebook groups or whatever, who just really talk about the Sunday scaries all the time and just feeling like not fulfilled. We're helping people, people, right? And when we're not able to help in the way that the people who need us need to be helped, we start feeling like, oh my God, there's something wrong with us. And that, that internalizing that does lead to like physical symptoms, just like you said. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember 
obviously there's rules and regulations with private practice and insurance companies and things like that. But where I was, it just felt like there were more rules and well, you can't really say that to the parent or if we offer them this type of help, we'll have to offer everyone help like that. And I'm like, why not? I just really couldn't get around like some of the the hidden and not so hidden rules. I'm like, can't we just treat treat the kids? Can't we just help them the way they need to be helped? And so that just fueled my fire to to start the private practice. I love it. Okay. So tell the listeners, because a lot of people wonder about that transition from part-time to full-time. So what did that look like for you? Well, I would love to say that I had a five-year plan and the date that I wanted to start seeing 10 clients, they just magically appeared. No, that that doesn't happen. Basically, I just was seeing the couple clients a week and still really feeling that pull, realizing I still needed to pay some bills. So I actually, the next school year, dropped one day a week to see private clients. And that filled up really quickly. I was pretty surprised how fast that filled up. So to be honest, I I wish back then I knew to be more proactive about things, but that fear really gets a hold of you. So I was really reactive. I was really stressed because I was seeing like 12 sessions on like a Tuesday, the day I had off from the schools and doing nights. And I was like, I have to do another day. So I dropped the second day and that filled up almost immediately. I remember my plan was to leave a lot later than I really did from the schools. And I was swamped the two days a week. I think it was about January of 2018. And I was like, I'm just going to quit in June and just do it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think too, having that slow like transition really does help people feel a little bit more safe. Like it, it definitely minimizes the financial risk and whatnot, but it, it does create a situation where then you are kind of working all the time, right? Because like on your air quotes day off, mm-hmm. you're seeing as many clients as really you can. And as the demand for your services grow, and if you have a wait list and if now you're starting to get more like word of mouth marketing referrals and whatnot, there's just not time and space to see those kids if you still have that regular job. Yeah. And your, your full-time job or whatever component of that old job you have, it doesn't quit. So you're getting emails on Tuesdays, you know, so you get back Wednesday and you have an inbox full and you just, the overwhelm is real. So I don't want to discount that at all. Cause I think sometimes people think when they hear even these interviews, like, oh, these people are so successful. And I'm like, this did not start this way. And there's days where they're, it's definitely still hard and you just had to get there. So how long did you go along where it was just you? And what did your transition to starting to get some help look like? Well, I'll say, I mean, I went full-time in 2018 and I basically... Oh gosh, you know, it was a lot of trial and error. I actually hired someone almost right away to help me like with a couple clients. And then she decided to move to Australia, which was awesome for her. So I'm excited she's still there. I dabbled in getting an assistant for a while. And again, just kind of trying to play, you know, with things that would work. And really it was just getting some more therapists. So I hired slash recruited my now husband to take clients for me. And that was about a year into the full-time. And who do you have working for you right now? So I have three part-time employees. I have my husband, Jeff Glessing. He kind of specializes in fluency. He stutters himself. So he's been passionate about that his whole life. And I just hired Maria Schmidt. She is wonderful. She 
works at the school full-time. So she's looking for part-time, but her passion area is like pediatric and she's training her dog to be a therapy dog. And then Becca Grainer joined us just like a month ago. It's funny. We were actually good friends. We shared an office. So she was with me the, the last day at the school. She was like the desk right next to me. So she came on board too, just, just last month. So right now we're three or four, including me. And so what do you, I know that this is kind of a weird time, right? So we're recording at the time of this recording, it's November, 2020, we're still navigating coronavirus and whatnot, but what, what are your hopes for like the next year or two in terms of what do you want to do with your private practice? Gosh, I mean, I honestly, I'm, I'm a big dreamer and I really want to be a big dreamer and a big doer. That's where I feel like I get hung up a lot is I, I do a lot of dreaming and then I kind of get a little nervous or overwhelmed. So it's a little more of implementing maybe some passive income streams, getting some more therapists. I'm hoping that maybe some of my part-timers will come on full-time. And I'm usually not shy about telling them that either. (laughs) And we have two offices right now. So I'm hoping that we can grow that. My my three-year plan is that maybe we'll move to one place just as us. Right now, we kind of rent office space with, with other places. And I'm thinking maybe we could have a place of our own in a few years. I think that sounds like an awesome and also an achievable plan, right? I think that, you know, when, when Corona first started, a lot of private practices just threw us all for a huge whammy, right? Like, what do you do? How do you shift to telehealth if that's not something that people were doing? But most, most people who are in my programs or that I talk to regularly are really having like their businesses are taking off right now. Like people are getting more referrals. People are starting to think about like, oh gosh, I really need to hire. And so like things were really bleak there in like, you know, March, April, et cetera. But like things are are starting to get better for not everybody, but for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. I mean, we're, we're busier now than we were before COVID. And the first part was really hard. I mean, we were, we had no teletherapy clients, you know, we had no teletherapy platform and we actually signed the lease for our first office starting March 1st and then COVID hit. So it was, it was, yeah. And, and we had just hired Maria. And so the licensing stopped, the fingerprinting stopped, everything stopped. So that was hard to navigate because it was all these dominoes that had to line up the right way. But I agree. I think people obviously want services for their children. I myself specialize in autism and medically complex kids, and they can't, they are not responding well to teletherapy, even with the public school system, just their general classes. So parents are really struggling with that, with that line of safety and providing for their kids. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm hearing from everybody too, is just that, you know, their, their kids need more, right? Like as if, you know, kids already before this started, weren't getting enough in the schools, right? Like by and large, that may be an overgeneralization, but you know, a lot of parents felt like their kids weren't getting enough. Right. And then this happened. And then not only are kids not getting enough, but they're also not getting it in the ways that work for a lot of the kind of kids that we see. So the alternative really is private practice. And so if private practitioners are are willing and able, and of course people have different local laws and and whatnot, but if people are willing to either do in-person services or do telepractice, it may be in a more accommodating way that is happening through the schools, then it really can be a blessing when 
parents and, and providers are able to be put together. Yeah. I think if there is a therapeutic silver lining, that's it. You start looking at other ways to provide therapy or maybe doing a lot more parent coaching where you might not have done that before. And you're finding better results with parent coaching than just direct therapy. So we've had a lot of experience with that over the last few months too. Yeah. I love it. So I'm going to shift topic a little bit. One of the things that Lauren and I have in common is that we have lots of things in common. We're friends on Facebook. We see, I see lots of things in common, but one of them is we both really like to read business books. So what is a one or two business books that you have read that have really changed either how you've thought about your private practice or how you've run it or run your life? Okay. So I'm trying not to jump into like a giddy overload here. I love books. I I buy way too many books. I'd say I have the top three authors, I guess. So the first one is Dave Ramsey. And if you have employees, the Entree Leadership book is phenomenal. He has a podcast, Entree Leadership, just how to lead people well. And to piggyback off of Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt. I know that's with the one we love, I think, or share the most of literally any of his books. I mean, I just bought another one that just came two days ago, but Your Best Year Ever, I think, is a really good one to start with. And then Free to Focus was great. What else? Oh, The Vision Driven Leader was the newer one. I loved that book. That really helped. And especially since I really was just like him, he was very vision. Okay, that's a little woo. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Me too. But when you read it, you're like, wow, this is super important. So Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt, and I'd say Mike McCallowitz, like the profit first, run like clockwork, all those types of things. I could literally go on. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's important for, you know, uh, a lot of SLPs choose our profession, you know, because again, we're helping people, people, and we just want to help. And then all of a sudden, when you start to think, I wonder if I might find a second kind of identity as a business owner, that can really be a little scary to some people who have never thought maybe about having a business or running a business or leading people or anything like that. Right. And so it's really kind of nice when you find books or you find authors that you're like, wow, I can read this and I can think about how I could apply this to me, like as a speech therapist in private practice and, and the people that you named, I'm similarly big fans of all of those folks, but you can take business books that are written for the general public and apply them to you as a speech pathologist in private practice. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think it actually was Dave Ramsey that said babies aren't born and they say, look, it's a leader. Like you aren't born that way. You know, you are, but you aren't. And people get really scared. And they, I mean, I've had friends say, well, should I get a business degree? I'm like, no, (laughs) you are great the way you are and use those things to amplify your skills because at the core, you are you. And you are going to do a great job leading. You just need little tidbits here and there to help. I totally agree. What are some other lessons that you have learned along the way from owning your own business as a speech pathologist? For me being really type A, I think it was letting go of the perfectionism. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. I make them almost daily. And now I really actually embrace that. Whereas I would be terrified of mistakes. And sometimes they're more scary than others. Sometimes you get a letter from the IRS saying, oh, you forgot to pay this tax or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't know that tax existed. And you just, I'm sure you've seen those little memes on the internet of what people think entrepreneurialship is. And it shows a line going up and then it's what it really is. It's a big scribble. 
you're going to make mistakes and you just need to learn that again, you're a good person. So mistakes are going to happen. It's what you do with the mistake. Do you cover it up? Do you call and make it right? So now when I get a letter or something happened, I just go, okay, I'll call, I'll call and figure it out. I'll fix it. And before, like the first time I got something like that was just devastating, you know, two days of watching Legally Blonde in bed and, you know, what am I doing? And (laughs) so I think that was the, that's the biggest lesson for me and still pretty much is. Well, because you can make a mistake. I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to go into private practice because if I make a mistake, I'm going to get sued. I'm going to go to SLP jail or something. I'm going to like people like catastrophize these things where a lot of the kinds of mistakes, like you might make a billing error. Okay. Well, you have an opportunity to fix that billing error, right? Or like you learn something from it, right? And so all of the mistakes, unless unless you do something unethical or something, don't don't do that, listeners. Mm-hmm. But you know the kind of little mistakes you're going to make as a as a private practitioner and business owner are mostly fixable, right? And it's the things you don't see. So you see all the successful people, or you fo- probably follow the successful people, or listen to their podcasts, and you don't realize that they had to edit that podcast 12 times or, oh, this person never got that type of notice in the mail. They definitely did. (laughs) So you just don't see it, but it's there. I think the other lesson that was big for me, and I still wrestle with it, is don't negotiate yourself down. You know, your rates, your services, your ethics, definitely feel confident in what you're offering to people and that it's very valuable. Yeah, that's a good lesson too. When you have confidence about that, right? Then it shows. And then people are like, okay, well, if that's what it costs, that's what it costs. Yep. And be okay with a no. That was another one too. You know, some people, especially with COVID, people can't afford things sometimes. You can say, okay, great. You know, here's, here's some things I think that would help you. Here's some people you can listen to, you know, here's, there's ways to offer free resources without offering your resources for free. That's right. I think that's another fabulous lesson. So for people who might be listening to this, who, who are you years ago, right? They're in that school system and they're just starting to think like, I wonder if private practice is something I could do. What advice would you give that person? Do it. (laughs) I mean, I, I literally remember sitting during IEPs or just sitting at your desk and I'm sitting there trying to calculate how many private sessions I would need to do and how much I should charge. And you kind of daydreamed about it. And I think a lot of people are doing that right now or just thinking there must be a better way. And there is. I was the person going, gosh, I don't know. I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about what I need to do. But then I you know, started following you. And there's just so many resources out there to help that it really, I think, once people get over that initial fear of, can I really do this? Then it just opens up the door to just unlimited possibilities. I think that's right. And there is such a need out there, right? So when, when a new SLP opens her, his doors, it's like, there are clients who need to be served, right? There are parents and families out there who are desperate for services. So like you will get clients, you will, people will find you, you know, you might have to, you know, you got to tell people, you got to get the word out. You got to, start to make a name for yourself, but there are people in your community who need you and they're just waiting for you to find your courage and say yes. Yeah. 
And I think from a financial standpoint, to be honest, you know, some people do save up a lot of money before they start or take out a big business loan. I've really wanted to run debt-free and that's still going on. It didn't cost that much for me. I don't know if states are different, but to get the business name filed was $50. To get a website for a year was $100. Facebook is free. And then after that, that's all I, that's literally all I did for marketing until probably last year. That's it. And now you've got people working for you. You've got a steady stream of referrals. You've got plans for the future to start to grow. And so you can take something from like really the ground up. And I also am am of the debt-free mindset and that you don't have to invest or save up like all of your money. Cause if you do that, like that's one of the reasons why people don't ever start is because like on whatever their SLP salary is or whatever, there's just not a ton of extra money with, you know, people have student loan debt, people have other stuff going on, like to really build that savings that people think that they need to have, it becomes harder and harder to actually do that where you can get started like lean and debt-free and then build up that income and use that income to pay down those debts. And I know, you know, you mentioned Dave Ramsey earlier. That's certainly something that, that he would, you know, he tells people to do too. Yeah. I still, the first place I check for toys is, you know, like Facebook marketplace and there's Facebook speech therapy sites to buy and sell and trade things. I really never just go right to a site rarely besides Amazon and just buy something brand new, even testing. I think that's another thing people get hung up on as well. I would need all these tests and they cost $3,000 to buy all this. And then I need an office and nope, I, I, I just got our office in March and then COVID hit. And we still, we see two people in the office now, but that started in September (laughs) so. It can definitely be done slow. And on your own terms, right? You can do it slow. You can do it fast. Whatever you want to do, you can do it that way. Yeah. Everyone starts with one client. I had one client for like five years, the same client. And look at her now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. I, I, I really don't have those Sunday scaries at all. Well, and because now you're doing work that lights you up, allows you to do your best work, and you're really able to not only have an impact on the clients and families that you're seeing, but also the people who are working for you, right? You've got whether, you know, obviously your husband, but you also have these, you know, part-time employees that hopefully will become full-time. But once you start to employ other people, like that's also like a pretty real thing that you want to feel like you're contributing to them and their livelihood and whatnot. I think that's one of the, for me, it's a wonderful thing. I love hiring people. Like I, I now have a a team of 10 people and I love that. I love to take people who are are really good at what they do and can do it well. And to say here, I want to hire you. You're wonderful. And I want you to be a part of my, my company and everything else. And I'm sure you're the same way where it feels good to hire people. Yeah. To see people come from kind of professional despair to really living in their strength is just super empowering. And I think literally the light bulb in my head just went off talking to you. We are in the helping profession, but we're always the last to help ourselves. Yes. Because I thought, gosh, why didn't I help myself sooner? Yep. So listeners, you have an opportunity to help yourself sooner than, than Lauren was able to do. But uh, thank you, Lauren, for sharing your story 
and just sharing your your journey, how, you know, how you started off and how you've shifted from part-time into full-time and a lot of those lessons learned along the way. Where can people learn more about you and your practice online? Sure. So we have a Facebook page as Owl Therapy Services, and that's also the website, owltherapyservices.com. I love it. Well, thank you again for being on the show and sharing your story. All right. Thank you. So how fantastic is Lauren? One of the things that I really like about Lauren and her story is remember, there's a lot of different ways to have a private practice. And the way that Lauren did it, right, was she was a school SLP. And for years, she had a small private practice on the side, just a handful of clients, which was a good way to earn some extra money, you know, maybe pay down some debt. I know that we talked about Dave Ramsey, and I know some listeners might be interested in in him and following his methods of paying off debt. And private practice is a great way to do that. So a lot of people think that you have to save up a bunch of money to start a private practice. What I teach actually is to start your private practice and use your private practice earnings to pay off your debt. And that's exactly what Lauren did as well. So if this is interesting to you and you want to learn more about starting a private practice, head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. I have a free training. It lasts about an hour, and I promise that you'll learn in one hour more about private practice than you ever learned in graduate school. Again, that link is startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com, click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.